Ahoy hoy, you delightful little ragamuffins. I'm John Miller, and this is Everybody Trades. What is happening, everybody? Now, I know I've been talking a lot about basic economic theory. Well, really some advanced economic theory at times. But So I hope you all in particular have enjoyed my episode on the Irish potato famine. I thought we really showed how price controls and the lack of private property, the lack of local ownership, direct ownership even more importantly, can really lead to tremendous catastrophes at worst and at best, certainly a misallocation of resources, shortages in some aspects, areas of the economy, and massive excess, unnecessary excess in others, unhelpful excess more importantly. But today I want to get into some more actionable personal advice on the stock market and just where I think we are in 2020. Am I bullish? Am I bearish? Am I neutral? Well, we'll get into all that. But first, I do want to talk just really quickly. There's something that's struck me lately. As we're getting into tax season here, I do realize that there are two types of tax collectors out there. Not tax collectors, but tax preparers, I should say, your accountants. Well, I've experienced both. Essentially, there's your tax prepper who is basically your buddy, and he wants to use all of the rules, legally speaking, the tax credits, the subsidies, whatever it might be, in order to get you the lowest taxable income possible. They want you to write as small of a check as they can. But then there really are, I promise you have experienced this, there are other accountants that would be perfectly happy in getting you to pay the largest legal amount they possibly can. Because, well, for whatever reason, they're believers in this type of deal. So I will simply say that if you're able to suss out people's political leanings by having simple conversations with them, I would certainly do that. Now, if it were me, I would be direct with my money manager. Now, of course, I'm my own money manager. But if I had one, I would ask this person quite directly about their thoughts on Keynesian economic theory. I would ask them if they understood the Austrian business cycle theory. And, well, if the answer was no to that last question, I'm afraid I'm going to have to get a new money manager because, well, the Austrian business cycle theory is quite simply this. It's when the Federal Reserve prints more money, excess money, money out of thin air for all intents and purposes. Well, this new money... Well, that actually, all you people who have saved money in your bank accounts or under your mattress, whichever it might be, well, that makes your savings worth less money. So this whole theory has caused people to, instead of saving their money, people who are conservative by nature, well, even they, even they, people who have no interest in stocks, no acumen for it, even they go out and find a money manager because they don't want to see their savings go away. And that makes all the sense in the world. But on the other hand, this makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. See, if you've got a bar of gold, the gold doesn't degrade over time. In fact, it just stays what it is. Shouldn't a piece of paper that's printed, shouldn't it be worth the same as well? We see back in the day when we first had dollars, a dollar was just that, a representation of gold, of a certain weight of gold. But now we have situations like this. You see, especially before 
pre-2008, and even now I'm sure it's true. I'm sure it's true to this day because we've had a great run in the real estate market. Let's say you're a, a person who has good for you. you have, you've saved enough money up. You're going to buy a house. You're going to buy a car. But instead of financing that house, as most people do, you want to pay cash. But your money person is telling you, ooh, that, that might be a bad move because here's the deal. Yeah, you should take out a mortgage. Yes, debt, essentially. And, and pay instead of paying the X amount for that house, you should pay X plus 5% every year, whatever that mortgage rate might be. Now, on its face, that makes absolutely no sense. Why would I want to pay more for something when I can just pay less because I have enough money? I, can, I have enough money to pay the lump sum. Well, this person will tell you, yes, that's true, but we think in the stock market, managing your money, investing your money, we think you can earn more than that 5% a year if you just keep that lump sum and allow that money to work for you, quote unquote, as the saying goes. Well, again, if this was if that person gave you that advice in 2011, for instance, in the the very beginning of this big bullish stock market run we've seen, you'd probably feel like that was pretty good advice. Now, on the other hand, if you had done that in 2006, a couple years before the real estate bubble, well, that's gonna, then you wouldn't feel like that was such good advice. The point is, is I guess I could sit here and complain about the fact that we no longer have sound money, but this is the world that we live in. Now, a lot of conventional money managers and conventional wisdom over the years has held that debt instruments are less risky than stocks. So bonds, in other words. And particularly, people will say that, well, U.S. government bonds, my goodness, there couldn't possibly be a safer investment than that, right? Unless the U.S. government could never possibly go belly up. Well, I'm here to tell you that in year 15 now of my career as a trader, if I ever had that attitude, I certainly no longer have it today. Now, let's just think about this for a second. What are the chances of Apple Computer going to zero? Because that company sits on hundreds of billions of dollars of cash. It has no debt whatsoever. Then you take the United States federal government. Well, it's sitting on top of $20 trillion worth of debt. And that doesn't even include all the outstanding debt obligations that it's going to have to pay in years forward. People like myself who are still in their 30s have yet to yet to reach Social Security age, for instance, well, those bills are going to come due eventually. It's just, just a matter of time. So you're now talking like $100 trillion in unfunded liabilities by the government. Now, that's not to mention all the other local municipalities, various other governments that issue bonds. To me, it's quite obvious that, especially when you consider the upsides of these particular investments, because what are they going to pay you? few percent here and there. Whereas, gosh, just in the last year, Apple has gone up 100%. And if you'd owned it since, I keep coming back to 2006 for whatever reason, since 06, my goodness, you'd probably be up 1,000%, 10 times its value. So again, would you rather be up 100%, 1,000%, or 5% a year? 
3% a year, 2% a year, whatever that bond is going to yield? That's a pretty easy answer, right? And again, this whole idea that, well, you know, the bondholders, they're the ones who always end up okay. Is that what happened when GM went down? I'm honestly asking. I can't remember that. I thought there was some some deal with the GM bondholders were left holding the bag. But anyway, regardless, I just think we've got to flip this whole conventional wisdom on its head. When you look at the long term, and again, we talk about the, the ABC theory, the Austrian business cycle theory. Well, long term, what's been a hotter market, pardon the, pardon the pun, than the stock market? Nothing. Over the last 100 plus years, that trend has been obvious. Yes, we've had huge bear markets for short periods of time, but the long, in the long term, everybody looks to the stock market to get their money to quote-unquote work for them in the most simple and liquid way possible. Now, does that mean that the stock market is, has no risk? Of course not. The s- stocks have huge risk. Individually, stocks can have massive risks. But that's why you want to diversify, number one. But also, more importantly, again, in the, in the world that I've just described, everything has risk. But especially in this Fed-driven bubble economy we've created, you've really got to be nimble with your investments. The days of buy and hold are completely over. And again, if you're going to try to buy your own stocks, then you need to be nimble and you need to be paying attention virtually every single day, at least on a small level. You got to know at least watch at least watch Squawk on the Street and CNBC every morning, you know, something. You got to pay pay attention some way or the other. One thing that's really changed in the last 15 years as well of my stock investing is that honestly, I, I just mentioned diversification. Well, I still think diversification is important in terms of your investments, but it isn't quite what it used to be. It's not as though See, back in the day, you used to be on a massive downturn, you were able to pick up, if you owned a Procter & Gamble, for instance, maybe a Clorox, like a bleach, the bleach company, just something really boring, really simple, something that's so boring, in fact, something like, like bleach, that is such an utterly boring yet necessary product, that in a huge recession, in a huge economic downturn, that your average consumer is not, regardless of this downturn, is not going to change their bleach buying habits. So that's considered a good investment in a downturn. Well, nowadays, that that can still be true for the long term. But boy, on the day and the week of these big, what I would say can often be computer-driven downturns. And by computer, I mean the computer traders, these these algorithms, these programs that basically say, okay, when X, Y, and Z stats, price levels, when, when, some, when something triggers these sell programs, well, these computers just automatically sell everything. Yes, humans have created these programs, but essentially there's no thinking to them and they sell indiscriminately. So that means that no longer really, see, Clorox is getting sold along with everything now essentially, especially in the short term. So if you really want to take advantage of a weird downturn, like say maybe you think right now or we've had a bit of a downturn because of the coronavirus. You can maybe even say it's impeachment related too. Who knows, right? Well, if you think that the coronavirus is going to be 
contained at some point if you think impeachment is if you think donald trump is actually bullish for stocks and you think that he's going to get through this whole impeachment thing then okay you should be buying then at least at least on some small level but the point is is you can't buy unless you have a decent sized cash position so really the the only real diversification now is cash versus stocks because Again, if everything is going to sell off, if, if in a down $500 Dow Jones day, if everything's going to sell off, then your only real protection is having that cash position in order to take advantage of these prices. So, again, that's the new diversification in 2020, in my opinion. Now, I brought up Donald Trump here just a little bit ago, so let, let's talk about the elephant in the room, which is the 2020 election. Well, as it sits here today, I don't know how, despite all this impeachment stuff, if you just watch the news cycle, you might believe, boy, Trump's in trouble here. But, you know, again, this isn't about whether I like Trump or not. This is just my my feelings on how the election's going to go. I really do believe that, that Trump is going to win as we speak today. And a lot of that is just history, right? I mean, how many times in the 20th century – has the sitting president not won re-election? Well, in my lifetime, it's only happened once. It was George H.W. Bush. And there was pretty huge reasons why that happened. Well, first of all, there was a recession. He raised taxes when he said he wouldn't. There was, there was ta- well, I mean, he didn't do it. There's Congress obviously has to approve all tax increases, but you get the point. Also, the Iraq War. There was that whole deal, too. So, Again, unless Trump gets us into an actual full-on front with Iran, or unless the stock market takes a huge turn down to the downside, I think Trump's going to win. And actually, for 2020, I think that is bullish for the stock market. Now, again, the more you see Bernie Sanders, if it seems like Bernie Sanders is going to win the Democratic nomination, I think that's bearish for stocks. And especially, I sold my United Healthcare position the other day on the advice of Jim Cramer because, well, again, it's seeming like it's going to be down to Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders more and more as we get down to the Democratic side here, get down to the nitty-gritty in Iowa and New Hampshire, various places. But I think Bernie Sanders would definitely be bearish for stocks, and I think Biden would be... uh, neutral to slightly bullish because just again if it ever becomes clear that biden is going to be the nomination over bernie i do think you'll see the market rally a little bit and notice i've been hesitating i've been trying to avoid saying good for stocks that trump would be good for stocks or the stock market is strong for instance i prefer to say bullish and bearish because when you say good stocks or it's been a good year for stocks I think that can be a bit misleading because, again, while you can make money in the stock market, there can be other areas. Your real wages can be going down in terms of what you can buy. Your tax rates might be going up. So there's a whole bunch of different factors here, and I just think sometimes we take the stock market as too much of a barometer for the health of the overall economy and our individual pocketbooks, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So again, my advice for today, I don't have any stock picks for you because, well, frankly, I don't like doing the stock picking thing. It's too much pressure. 
I'm okay with putting the pressure on myself, but not myself for your money, if that makes sense. But again, just to wrap it up here, my main points, find out your political leanings, or at least your at least the economic theory leanings of your tax of your tax prep guy, your accountant, also your money guy. More importantly, even my main points today, diversification. The only real diversification now is cash. So when the market goes higher and higher and higher as it did in 2020, always remember to sell, trim some things on the way up so you have some cash to take advantage of these washouts on occasion. And finally, my point is that, yes, while stocks are risky, certainly they have big risks. Collectively, stocks are safer than dead instruments. And I think I put out a pretty good case why that is. But you know what? I think I just ultimately I just trust companies that don't have tremendous amounts of debt, like an Apple computer, for instance. I don't see any way in which that company goes to zero, barring some sort of nuclear war. On the other hand, there's plenty of municipalities throughout this country that I could easily see going under and not being able to pay back the principal or the interest on their debt. So with all that being said, I'm John Miller, and this has been Everybody Trades. (laughs) 